and welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Henry. As always, we are excited to bring you the best of the best in college softball. After the show, head on over to d1softball.com for all the latest stories, coaching scoop, international softball news, and more. If you subscribe today, you can use Podcast 20, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T 20 for 20% off an annual subscription. We are excited for today's new episode that features Clemson head coach, John Rittman. Now let's get started. I'm joined by my co-host, Rhiannon Podkey. Re, how are you doing this week? Doing good. How are you doing this week? I'm good. I'm pretty excited about dropping our preseason top 25 rankings because there are a lot of passionate college softball fans out there and just excited to get going. And we are almost, almost 20 days away from softball season. Yeah, it's crazy how it's sneaking up. And I agree. I think I think it's great. I mean, I love the fact that people are really passionate one way or the other or just, you know, it, we never used to see that in the past. There was it really wasn't a, a you know, that maybe a poll dropped like two days before the season started. So it's been great to see so many people interested in it and just shows the growth of the sport. And honestly, like these were some of the hardest rankings ever because there's so much parity beyond like the top three or four that I just like, I could have, I could make a case for and against like all like 20 of our teams, like for being where they are and where they're not and teams right on the cusp that are should be in. So it was, I mean, I spent hours pouring over this stuff and I still don't think like, I, I don't, it's going to be old takes exposed where I go back and go like, what the heck were you thinking? But that's what happens when you don't have games to go off of. And there's so much changeover and there's the transfer portal and there's a lot like veterans that leave. And so it's, it's an inexact science, but it makes people talk. So that's great. <laughs> so yes, in case you missed it, we did release our preseason top 25 and we'll go through it a little bit. It, it starts with Oklahoma, the unanimous number one team in the D1 softball poll uh, across all voting. They've got players returning. They were had 10 in our D1 softball top 100, uh, led by the number one player in the nation, T.R.A. Jennings. They got Grace Lyons, Sydney Sanders, Jordy Ball, Jada Coleman, uh, Kinsey Hansen, Haley Lee, Alex Starocco transferring over. Uh, obviously, a, a slew of transfers there for uh, the Sooners. They're at that number one spot. Then we got UCLA at the number two spot. Three, Oklahoma State, four, Florida State, and five, Florida rounds out the top five. Re, initial thoughts on that top five, because um, these are the teams that we're pretty confident that are are going to return and be at the level that, that we saw just a season ago. Yeah, the good thing is, the, you know, the obvious one, you know, one's always sometimes tough. And for the last three years, it's been pretty easy. I think you could have done, I mean, this is no insult to any other teams, but I think you could have one A, one B, if you split that squad into like an inner squad scrimmage and have Oklahoma in both places, just the depth and, you know, the roster. And, and that's just, it's truly amazing, the team that they've accumulated there. Um, yeah, and just, you know, having, it just shows too, I guess, the states of Oklahoma and Florida in terms of great softball and great programs. There's no surprise there. Those are pretty regular college world series, uh, women's college world series regulars in UCLA in there too, and got some arms that transferred in to help support Megan Framo. So I think the Bruins are, are justly at number two. Um, yeah, I, I don't Like I said, the top five or six were pretty like, okay, I'm pretty confident that these teams are going to be good. Um, they all have, whether it be, mostly, you know, the key is that you either have like one pitcher or a lot of veteran returners or just a tremendous amount of talent, which all those teams have in Oklahoma's got every part of that. So 
no real surprise with those. I mean, beyond Oklahoma, beyond Oklahoma, you can maybe shuffle a little bit, but not really much. It's, uh, it's I think that's pretty steady and a pretty good representative of the top five. Yeah, I agree with you, Ree. And then we had number six is Alabama, Alabama Crimson Tide check in at number six. Then we go to seven Northwestern making it back to uh, the women's college world series. They're in at number seven reigning sec pitcher of the year. Shanice Dells uh, will be leading Arkansas at number eight. And we've got Clemson, the Clemson tigers. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the podcast. We've got John Rittman joining us. Uh, and then rounding out number 10, we've got Georgia uh, with three players in our top 100 and Sarah Mosley, Shelby Walters and Sydney Kuma. Rhea, I know you cover the SEC uh, significantly. So let's chat, chat a little bit about those six through 10 and your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned George there at 10, I think getting Shelby Walters is a pitcher because they, they have the offense. I mean, George can rake and they return almost all of their offense. And then they add her in the circle to help Madison Kerpix, who that was kind of their Achilles heel last year is they had her and she, they rode her as long as they could, but she kind of wore out as the weekends wore out and especially in the, the rugged sec. So um, I expect, you know, if, if Shelby can come in, she obviously is coming off an injury, but if she can be close to that and that offense can be what they are with Jada Kearney too in center field. Um, I think they've definitely got, you know, the power to be there. Uh, I know they're excited about this team and year two, you know, with, a, with not this different, it's a different coaching staff, you know, it's not the same coach obviously, but I think they got a lot of potential. Um, I know a lot of people that, you know, the Alabama at six was very, and to honestly, with me, it was the same. That was a, a, a really existential struggle because of what we saw last year, very uncharacteristic in terms of early exit from the tournament and just some struggles offensively and Montana Fouts kind of being human at a lot of points in the season. Um, and then having, you know, a pretty good amount of transfers leaving like Lexi Kilfoyle, who was uh, the backup base there. But I kind of go with this one was kind of a gut to know that Montana Fouts is still Montana Fouts. And she was one that threw a perfect game, you know, in the world series and, and tremendous pitcher and has the history. I think she's going to be motivated to bounce back. I think Patrick Murphy's a tremendous coach. And I think he knows kind of how to push the buttons. Um, and you never know sometimes addition by subtraction with some teams with chemistry things. You don't know. I don't know. I don't profess to know exactly what took place there, but it sounds like everything's been positive out of there and they still have Ali Shipman. They still have Ashley Prangy got some veterans there. It's just going to be, you know, in the circle if uh, Jayla Torrance and those and Alex Salter and those can help Montana. But um, I just would, you know, I'd build a team around Montana any day still, even though, and they just need to hit offensively more. I mean, you can't put that much weight on her shoulders and hopefully they've kind of rectified some of those issues with uh, finding some more offense for her. I love your phrase addition by subtraction. I think that is, uh, that, that could be the key for the Alabama Crimson Five. Uh, let's hit to the next set of teams. We've got Stanford checking in at 11, followed by Tennessee at 12. Virginia Tech taking the 13th spot. They do lose Keely Richard, but return Emma Lemley there, uh, the Hokies. Then we've got 14, Texas, another controversial uh, ranking for us. We'll talk about the Longhorns in a little bit. And 15 is UCF making that first regional hosting uh, appearance last year. Kentucky at 16. LSU is at 17. Arizona Wildcats, who were just at the Women's Call Drill Series a season ago. They're in at 18. Auburn's at 19. And then Louisiana at 20, rounding out uh, the 20th spot there. But, Ree, thoughts on this uh, next set uh, other than Texas? Because I think we've heard 
a lot of, of Texas fans upset about this ranking at 14, but I will say they're going to be a young squad. You lose Haley Dulcini, you lose Janae Jefferson, you lose Mary Iacopo. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough road for them. And like I said, uh, on our Twitter spaces, the, the Texas fans should be happy because the Longhorns seem to do much better uh, as the other dog with a little fuel and fire uh, for them. But Ray, I'll throw it to you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you there. I think there's just a lot that they have to fill and it's nothing, this isn't like a slight and we don't base things off of, you don't automatically get granted a ranking because how you finished the season before. I think so that's a cop out. That's an easy way to rank. If you want to rank that way, you just go, okay, let's just put the same teams we finished with there because obviously nothing changes. No one graduates. Everything's perfect. So I, you know, Mike White's a great coach. They still have talent. I just want to see it on the field a little bit more. And I think they'll move up if they're worthy. And that's kind of how it is with almost all these programs that are a little bit maybe lower. Um, but you lose players like that. That's significant. That's veteran experience. It's going to take a little bit of time. You don't have freshmen that can come in and step in and be a Janae Jefferson or a Haley Dulcini. Um, they still have talent there. So I'm not worried about Texas. And like you said, sometimes they're even slow starters like last year. They'll get there if they're good enough. Um, and it was no, it's not a disrespect to be ranked in the top 15 still of a poll, top 25, but I get it. That's what makes, you know, like we said, that's what makes it fun. People really uh, agreed with this stuff. Um, my big, you know, Auburn is the big one for me, kind of a sleeper team for me. I, they have every piece required to be a tremendous team, but they do have some injuries and they had some injuries to some significant players like Shelby Lowe. They have Maddie Penta, who they had to rely on a lot when Shelby was injured last year. When we were in Clearwater, she was injured there. So she played the whole season trying to just get through it. She had off-season surgery. It all sounds like she's getting back to full strength, but I just want to see it a little bit first on the field and see some of those players that had some off-season procedures and how they bounce back. But if they do bounce back and they get that whole team going with the offense that came around last year, that is a dangerous team. They, that one-two punch in the circle is one of the best you're going to find around when they're both going. But I do want to just see how they ease into the season first because I just don't assume that people are going to be completely healthy and everything's going to be great right away. But I do think they have the potential to move up and they could be a very dangerous team as the season goes on. So that's 11 through 20 on the D1 softball preseason top 25 rankings. Then we'll head to number 21, the Washington Huskies, 22, uh, Duke, 23 is Oregon, new entrant, uh, North Texas at 24, another new entrant, and then Ole Miss. Uh, we've got the Spinny Rebels, that pitching staff there. we got seven on the pitching staff, which is going to be a team to watch in the SEC. Rounding out the top 25. Got some question marks about Washington. I think we got a little bit of chatter again on Twitter about Washington, but again, it's going to be a team that loses Gabby Plain and who's going to step up and, and take over those innings for the Huskies. I mean, any team with Bailey Klinger, she is arguably one of the best hitters in the country, uh, is going to have some success. But again, we'll see what it's like in the post-Plain uh, era uh, with the Huskies. Three thoughts on 21 through 25. Yeah, I think a lot of people too, maybe a little bit, you know, if they don't know softball too much, North Texas being in there, that's one I'm really confident about being in the top 25 of if you have to kind of pick a non-power power five conference team, um, they return almost everyone and they were very young talent last year and they took some power five teams right to the limit. They have great, great strength in the circle. 
Um, Rodney DeLong is, his, has a history of programs just continuously getting better year after year after year. And he's shown that now at North Texas. Um, so I really like them being in our poll. Uh, obviously, you know, if they start to struggle early, it'll look a little, you know, we probably take one, but I, I don't think they will. And they play a challenging schedule. They've got a lot of components back. Um, if you haven't read, read Graham Hayes' fall reports, just to kind of give you an idea, um, that's on the site and it's really well done and it'll give you kind of an insight into why we all kind of thought this way. Um, again, you know, they'll have to prove it, but I really, I'm really confident that they're good and that they can be. And then Ole Miss, I'm very high on Ole Miss too. I mean, it's tough at the SEC because like you can rank, the team can be like the ninth best in the SEC and still be a <laughs> tremendous team. But they made some huge progress last year. They're, you know, they're, like you said, in the circle, they were getting stronger. Um, their offense was, was going. They return a lot of key components. So they have the potential, too, to make a run there. But um, I, I'm, I was glad to get them in the poll, too. Uh, it's just it's, it's so tough to, to figure out, like, where to put all these teams. But um, I think, uh, I, think I, I feel pretty confident that those two are worthy of starting out there. I, I agree with you, Rhea. And I, we had Riker Jason, the pitching coach for Omis, on our Twitter spaces just a couple weeks ago. And just how he talks about pitching and variability and what he does with his stuff to have seven arms and um, Michaela uh, Cleet Thermos from uh, Oregon as a transfer. Uh, I think you're right. I think they're going to be a team to keep an eye on in the SEC. Well, and they have a dog. It's the team, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> Traxel's dog, Finley. I mean, come on. When you have his own Twitter account, how can you go wrong? Like the mascot is, you know, they've got that. So I think there's a little bit of karma and power in that, that variable that we haven't really considered. So that's a top 25 preseason top 25 over on D one softball.com. Go ahead and head on over to the site and check it out. We've also got the sec preview up there, everything you need to know about the sec. And we'll have the big 12 up here uh, as well uh, later today. And we've got previews heading into season for all your favorite conferences that will be up on the site. So that's it for the D1 softball preseason top 25 chat. I'm sure we'll have more comments uh, heading into season. And now we'll have our guest of the week, Clemson head coach, John Rittman. Tara Henry back here on the D1 softball podcast joined by none other than the Clemson head coach, John Rittman. John, thank you so much for joining us today on the D1 Softball Podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the coverage that D1 Softball gives our sport, and um, it's an honor. Well, let's just start with this. Thank you, John, for, for joining us. But I want to go over the resume. Fourth season at Clemson, we'll get into the Clemson Tigers and what uh, Coach Rittman has been able to build there, but 18 seasons at Stanford, 10 years on the USA softball staff, uh, stints at Kansas, Washington, Minnesota, Oregon, uh, all over the place, and has a degree in journalism uh, from New Mexico State. So I kind of want to start there and played baseball as well. So uh, a huge kind of background on Coach Rittman, but I want to start th start there. What was that transition like for you from baseball to softball? And and looking back, how did you actually get into to softball? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting story. And, and um, I did not plan on being a coach when I went to college. I started, uh, you know, played three sports in high school, football, basketball, and baseball. And um, 
was actually, I thought I was going to play college football, but I had a knee injury uh, right before my senior year. So I missed my senior year of football and uh, played on a really successful high school baseball team that year. And uh, I think five or six of us ended up going to play college ball. We won a state championship and, and uh, was very fortunate to, uh, you know, play at uh, Yavapai Junior College and New Mexico State University. And, and like you said, I got my degree in journalism. So I was, uh, was kind of all set to go into the advertising world or the sports journalist world. And um, I was still hoping to, to maybe play a little pro ball. And, and uh, after I got my degree, I played uh, down in Mexico a little bit and uh, played a, a couple of summers um, of men's fast pitch softball. And, and uh, when, when, when I knew it was time to hang up the cleats, I, I figured I'd, I'd go get a master's degree and still really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I know it probably wasn't going to be in journalism. And uh, so I went up to the University of Oregon and um, I started a master's degree in a program that's no longer um, in their curriculum, but it was uh, Parks, Recreation, Tourism Management. And uh, I had a professor who knew the head coach at the time, Teresa Wilson, and she had just lost her assistant coach. And this was in 1987, and uh, she was looking for a coach. And the professor kind of linked us together, and she asked me if I wanted to help out. And I said, sure, you know, it sounds like fun. And the rest is history. You know, we uh, we were in the College World Series three years later and uh, then got the offer to uh, coach at the University of Minnesota with Teresa. Um, you know, when we were at Oregon, it was pre Phil Knight money. So uh, the University of Minnesota had its own women's athletics uh, department. It was separate from the men and they paid a heck of a lot better. So Teresa and I went to the University of Minnesota and started and and I won a Big Ten championship there in our second year. And uh, then the University of Washington called Teresa and wanted to start a softball and a soccer program, you know, and I think this is really when Title IX started kicking in and you saw a lot of universities adding women's sports and uh, Teresa wanted to get back to the Pac-10 at the time. And uh, so we, uh, we took off from Minnesota and went to Washington and, you know, four short years later, we were playing for a national championship and, and uh, that's when Stanford came calling and I got my first head coaching job at Stanford and, and was there for 18 years and, and then went to Kansas and now I'm at Clemson. So that's kind of how I got into it and, and a brief summary of where I'm at today. <laughs> Teresa Wilson, I, I mean, if they, for those of you that don't know, um, incredible head coach, like you said, uh, played uh, against Teresa, that Washington squad as well, always tough competitors. But I want to get into now, like you said, where you're at and, you know, starting a program for Clemson to call and say, hey, we're starting a softball program. What was that conversation like and how did that come about? Because, you know, obviously in four short years, we've seen incredible success, but how did it start? Yeah, you know, I was uh, coaching at Kansas at the time, and um, my youngest son was a senior in high school, so I was really not planning on uh, making a move, and I, I knew Clemson had started a softball program, and uh, I got a call um, from uh, 
from Clemson and, and uh, kind of took me off guard a little bit, but uh, asked me to send in my resume. And, and, and uh, so I did. And, and then a short time later, they contacted me and wanted to bring me out. And, and uh, I just really fell in love with the place, but I also fell in love with the people here and, and what their plan was to start softball. And they were definitely doing it the right way. And, um, you know, I didn't know if I'd get the job or not when I left, but um, when they offered me the job, I knew it was it was a, a place that I could see myself ending my career at and, and somewhere um, that I knew had a lot of potential to do great things because of the support, because of the community, and because of the, the plan of attack that they had um, in starting the program. And... Clearly 105 and, and 33 record at Clemson. And obviously we talk about starting a program and to win an ACC regular season title, to become a regional host just last year, advanced to super regional. That That is a difficult thing to do in that short amount of time. What would you attribute your success to, early success to, and can you kind of go through how you prepare a team to be ready uh, getting in, to get into the postseason? Well, there was a couple of um, a couple of things that really fell into place. Number one, to go back to our administration, uh, we built a beautiful facility, and uh, that always helps in recruiting. Um, number two, we hired a great staff, and um, number three, we hit the road hard recruiting. Um, at a time where most of the top recruits were committing in eighth and ninth and 10th grade. So we were looking for players who may have been overlooked, obviously players who were not committed already, um, and also looking for players that, you know, really loved Clemson, but Clemson wasn't an opportunity when the time they committed to a university, you know, at the time when they committed to a university. So uh, we got that process started and then, uh, and then the transfer portal happened, you know? And so we, we definitely, because we were such a young program starting from scratch, um, it was almost like that was perfect timing for us to go out and, and look at kids in the transfer portal that, uh, Number one, were high character kids. Number two, had a little bit of talent. Um, and, and number three, could provide some leadership for our younger players. And so those, those things all kind of fell in place perfectly for us um, at, at the time we were gearing up to start playing our, our competitive season. So, and then, uh, you know, like I said, you know, with with our staff and and uh, the facilities and now having a team, it was it was all about building our culture. And I knew that we had to have a strong foundation to start this program. And certainly we sold the recruits on being pioneers, being a part of history. Um, you'd always be remembered as the first team in Clemson softball history. And so um, and then sold them on the vision of how we could be successful and what it was going to take to do that. Um, but primarily, our concern was building a culture of, um, you know, kids with character, kids that had a passion for the game of softball. Um, certainly, we have the education that, that Clemson provides a, a student athlete here 
Um, so we had a lot of things to sell, um, but it all goes back to really not focusing on wins and losses, but focusing on our culture and building that foundation for success. And you speak about culture and um, you don't talk about the wins and losses, but you have been quite successful there. Uh, how would you describe your team culture? I know you said a little bit about character kids, but heading into this season, is there a theme that you kind of rally around or is there something that you all focus on um, uh, each year or is it something that you come in and, and just is kind of um, well-known? Yeah, you know, I think, you you know, when you talk about culture, you have to have values. And I think that's one of the things that that us coaches stress in our program is is our core values every day. You know, you're here to get an education. So the academics part of it is huge. Um, secondly, you know, we mentioned the word character, but, you know, we, we want high character kids in our program, kids that want to buy into being a part of a team and and. Uh, you know, and then we want to be a family. And I think that's that's the biggest thing is we want a program that really makes you feel like you're part of a family. We want to make sure you you have the feeling that you get to walk in our facility every day. You don't have to. Um, so we we try to make it fun, but the fun comes with the hard work and the culture and the building of the program. And, and I think we've done a tremendous job of doing that with the support of our administration and our support staff, you know, and, and that's really, um, it, it's tough just for the coaches, but it, it goes to the team doctors, the athletic trainers, the media relations people, the marketing and promotions people, our academic advisors, you know, it, it's our nutritionists, our sports performance coaches, it's everything tied into that culture. And, uh, you know, it's easy when you're winning, obviously, it's, it's easy. Um, but we've, we, it, it hasn't always been easy here. I know our record is tremendous, but it's, we've had a lot of ups and downs, you know, and, and because we were such a young program, and everybody got an extra year of eligibility with COVID, you know, last year we had 29 players on our roster and you talk to any coach in the country, try to keep 29 players happy and keep your culture intact. You know, it's not easy. So we've had some ups and downs and, and, uh, but we we've overcome it. And I think uh, a lot of that is a tribute to our, our culture and our work ethic and, and our family atmosphere that we have here. And in, terms of family atmosphere, we can talk a little bit about the atmosphere at Clemson. I think one of the most preeminent places to play, um, and you can see at McWhorter Stadium, obviously a thousand seat backs, and you also have a 12,000 square foot um, sort of space to train as well. What has that been like for you to have a fan base that supports you in such an incredible manner? Because um, seeing the photo, uh, it's one of the photos, I believe it was on opening day, just a few years back of a packed stadium was pretty cool. And I think I have goosebumps and I wasn't even there just seeing that photo. So I can imagine what it was like to be there. But what has that fan support been like uh, to have there? Our fan support has been phenomenal. And, you know, when I first got hired at Clemson, everybody was selling me on what a fanatic uh base that Clemson has you know and um the the fans you know whether it's football whether it's soccer whether it's baseball you know basketball the fans love Clemson and and I got a sense of that on my uh interview um and then during my first year here I went out and I I really never turned down any speaking engagement 
maybe one I turned down out of a lot of opportunities. So I went out in the community and really uh, spoke to just about every Rotary Club, alumni group, women's group, uh, you know, and, and uh, really sold, sold them on the vision of what we had for the softball program. And, and uh, I think that that definitely got people interested, but there was already people interested in softball before they even said they were going to, you know, start the program. But uh, the fan base has been just outstanding. You know, I, I can remember uh, January of our inaugural season, we uh, we decided to have a fan day and, um, you know, we had already already sold out the season tickets. So I knew it was I knew it was going to be awesome. Um, but we had a, a practice before a little home run derby and, and autograph session for the fans about two weeks before we opened that inaugural season. And uh, about uh, towards the end of practice, one of our student managers came up and said, coach, there's a line outside of our stadium. And I, and I was like, oh, you mean for fan base? He goes, yeah. And I said, well, how many? He goes, oh, it's a long line. It's at least a quarter mile long. So we took a little break and I went up and sure enough, I mean, I couldn't believe it. And, um, you know, that that just shows the support that we have here. And, and certainly, like you mentioned, um, there's nothing like playing in front of a full house. And, and uh, that's that's what we get to do here. And we're very blessed to have the fan base that we have. I mean, it's incredible to see and hopefully can get out there for a game. Uh, that's on my my list of things to do. And Speaking about family, you have two sons. One played at UCLA, as was a fullback, and then another one at Notre Dame, uh, was a punter at Notre Dame. Then your wife uh, played at OU softball. What's that family dynamic like uh, on on holidays? Is there some competition that that happens between uh, the family? Yeah, you know, definitely. You know, when when uh, either one of our schools are playing each other or um, playing Clemson now, there's um, you know, certainly it makes things interesting, but uh, they all love, love Clemson softball and they support us. But uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting because when my son was at Notre Dame, they ended up playing Clemson three times um, in his four years there. One, uh, one for the CFP playoffs in Dallas and another one during COVID year when Notre Dame, Notre Dame plays in the ACC in all sports except football. Um, but that particular year, because of COVID, they they were in the ACC. And uh, so they played them during the season and then they played them for the ACC championship. So that that made things interesting. And, uh, you know, but it, it is it's it's uh, like I said, I'm, I'm very blessed to have the family that supports me, but also to have two sons that have been so successful in their in their college uh, life and getting their degrees and now working out in the real world. And let's talk a little bit about the ACC to kind of close. Um, heading into the ACC, obviously ACC network was a huge uh, deal. You have the SEC network and then for the ACC network, obviously a little bit more exposure there in the ACC, but you know, you're looking at um, Florida State and Duke and, and now Clemson. What is what has that been like to be a part of the ACC? Well, knowing that you've been a part of a few other conferences, but what what makes the ACC different? Well, you know, um, there's 13 teams in the conference, so um, a lot of opportunity for uh, for success. You know, when you when you look at the teams that are that are competing in our league, and uh, it's it's done nothing but get better. I think 
Um, when I got here and we started playing the 2020 season to where we are now, our conference has got, got nothing but better. Um, I think the teams that, that were typically uh, down in the standings have all improved their programs. Um, and now, you know, where it used to be, you know, maybe Florida State and, and occasionally somebody else might challenge for that title. Um, now you have so many teams that are ranked that are doing well in postseason. Uh, you know, since then, Duke is, you know, a, a new program. Clemson's a new program. And, and we've both finished um, in the in the top, you know, three in, in the league the last couple of years. So um, it's, it's a really tough conference. You know, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Duke, Clemson. Um, Notre Dame, Louisville, North Carolina State. I mean, North Carolina, I mean, the, the whole conference top to bottom, you know, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. And it's it's about winning the series. But I really like um, how our conference is approved as a whole and how competitive it is. And in heading into season, just a quick preview of what you've seen thus far. I know we've got a fall report up on Clemson, but what have you seen from your squad and, and, and what's what's going on right now in Clemson softball heading into? We've got, you know, almost 20, a little bit over 20 days heading into season. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, one of the things that that's um, been a key component for us to be successful is our pitching staff, you know, and Coach Jameson works with our pitchers and, um, you know, I think they've done an outstanding job. Um, but when you when you get a talent like a Valerie Cagle and then and then you have pitchers um, that are that are, you know, really hard workers that have developed and Millie Thompson and and Reagan Spencer and Brooke McCubbin, um, that's going to bode well for you. And I think our pitchers work extremely hard. Obviously, you know, injuries have been a part of, of our last four years. And, you know, Valerie's had a few chronic injuries that she's dealt with, but she's back and 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 looks to be healthy to start the season. Uh, Millie Thompson's had a few um, injuries that she's dealt with in her career, and and she's healthy right now. And and then uh, you know Reagan at the end of last year was a little banged up, and and certainly looking to have her back at, at full speed. And and Brooks a pitcher that has just developed um, and continues to improve in, in her second year here. And she's got kind of a nice luxury to have all these pitchers ahead of her, so. Um, we've, we've been able to bring her along at maybe a little slower pace, but she's developed into a, a, a pretty good option for us. And, and so I think that's really, um, you know, for us and for most programs, your, your success is going to be dictated on, on who's in that circle and how successful they are. But, um, we've added some key components in, in the transfer portal. We, we've been good with the graduate transfers the last couple of years and, um, you know, this year we added Caroline Jacobson, who was a starting outfielder for Duke. Uh, Allie Mecklish is a starting outfielder at Wisconsin. And then Reedy Davenport was a uh, starting infielder at Florida Gulf Coast. And I think um, all three of those players, have, um, you know, provided a uh, opportunity for us to maybe um, fill some holes in uh, all three of um high character players that work extremely hard and, um, you know, are really experienced, you know, and you, you can't, uh, you, you can't always get that, um, you know, without, without 
the, the years that they've put in. And, and that's certainly going to help us uh, going into the season. But then we have, you know, our core group, you know, we mentioned Valerie Tegel. It's one of the top two-way players in the country, Millie and, and uh, you know, our pitching staff just complements each other really well. But then, you know, Mackenzie Clark and center fielder is a, a very dynamic player for us. Um, outstanding defensive outfielder, great arm, um, hits for average, has speed, hits for power. Aliyah Logaleo, who was um, our shortstop last year and, and uh, can is pretty versatile, can play anywhere in the infield or outfield, but she'll be in the infield again this year for us. And she's got a lot of power. And, and when she's healthy, um, you know, she's battled some injuries over her career. But when she's healthy and getting at bats, um, you know, she's really a big spark for us in, in the lineup. And Ariel Oda is another player that um, has really stepped up. She's a she was somebody who started the program here before we were even playing games. So her first year academic year was 2018, 19. And, and because of COVID, she'll still have another year of eligibility next year, but she's really just steadily improved over her career. And, and last year she was just a, such a key role player for us. And, and she'll, she'll be that same, you know, player for us this year. Uh, Jojo Hyatt's another player who's um, been there as long as Ariel, and she she provides some depth for us. She's been our starting catcher, but she's she's somebody that's got a lot of experience. And uh, Abby Vieira, uh, freshman catcher last year, had a big season after a tough injury. She fought back from and and really ended the year um, really strong for us at catcher and provided some power in our lineup. So. Um, we, we got a lot going for us, a, a lot of returners back. And, and one of our main objectives is to take that next step, you know, and to do that, um, we got to have a, a team that's healthy, a team that's, you know, staying humble and hungry to uh, go out and get better. Well, and that's one of the, you all heard it. That's one of the reasons we've got Clemson ranked number nine in our preseason poll, because they've got all the pieces. Let's see if, um, like you said, can stay, knock on wood, uh, keep those injury free uh, and, and have a good season there. Um, and we'll end with this, Coach Rittman, with some fun stuff. When you're not thinking, coaching, watching film, looking at softball uh, as a whole, what do you do in order to kind of take a, take a break or, or, or breather? What, what, what are some of those hobbies? If you have any, uh, if yeah, you no, I definitely have hobbies and, uh, <laughs> there's, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, located in a beautiful part of the country. Clemson is in the foothills of the Smoky mountains. And, uh, you know, we are, uh, located on Lake Hartwell and, uh, there's a, there's a chain of lakes here in South Carolina. So I love to fish and, uh, my wife and I go out on the boat quite often, but, uh, have a few fishing buddies that I go out with quite a bit. And, and, uh, you know, another thing that South Carolina has is it's got a lot of golf courses and, and uh, great weather year round. So, um, I do a little bit of golfing as well. And, um, you know, so those, those are things that keep me busy when I'm not coaching or recruiting. I love that. We're going to have to play some golf here. Hopefully uh, you come out to Palm Springs one of these uh, years and we can play. Some Definitely. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite food? Well, you know, <laughs> I have a sweet tooth, but uh, you know, I've never, I, I'm a big ice cream guy and chocolate person. So, um, but you know, I, I would say I would, I would tend to uh, lean towards the Mexican Mexican food uh, options and uh, but but I love to eat so you know I'm I'm not shy at anything. 
<laughs> favorite book or let's say Netflix or streaming show? Yeah, you know, I'm more of a sports on TV. I'm kind of old school. I'll watch the local news. Um, I do like the Food Network. Um, I have I have been wa binged watched a couple of uh, shows, Breaking Bad, and and certainly during COVID, I I binged watched uh, Game of Thrones. Um, every once in a while, I'll catch a few episodes um, of Yellowstone or Ozarks, whatever my wife is watching at the time, I'll, I'll pop in a few episodes there. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of old school when it comes to TV. You know, the Food Network and and uh, any sports and local news about what you get out of me. Yeah, what's the what's your favorite show on the Food Network? Diners, drive-ins, and dives. Actually, <laughs> you know, it's one of my favorites. I'm I'm always looking for a new place to eat when I travel around the country. I love that. Well, John, Coach John Rittman, uh, Clemson head coach, thank you so so much for joining us this week on the D1 Softball Podcast. Uh, hopefully, we can have you back on as a season uh, gets underway. Thank you for joining. Best of luck this season. Uh, the Clemson Tigers open up in Miami, Florida against FIU and um, then head on and play Georgia State. We've lost his, his lights, but coach, thanks so much for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. And we truly, truly appreciate the support that you all give our program and, and the sport of softball. So look forward to seeing you down the road and you're always welcome out here. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to have to put it on my schedule. I, I think I'll be making a, a trip out maybe to, to Clemson this year. Thanks so much for joining us. Let me know. Take care. Bye-bye. Clemson head coach, John Rittman. Always a pleasure to chat with him. Just looking at his resume, 18 years at Stanford and then 10 with uh, Team USA coaching staff and Entering his fourth season at Clemson, just an incredible softball mind and and what a great hire for Clemson and for them to have that success early. A lot of that has to do with John Rittman. Yeah, when they announced uh, the program was starting, they, with his background was tremendous and it's showing. And uh, yeah, it's just amazing. You don't get that good that quick in most sports at, at the college level, Division One, And it's it's been tremendous to watch. Well, we'll keep an eye on the Clemson Tigers. They're they're number nine in our preseason poll, so we'll keep a close eye on them in the ACC. And um, they've got some good challenges uh, in pre-conference play. And like I said, they open up in Florida and Miami uh, for the start of the season. Well, that's it for the D1 Softball Podcast. Head on over to the site. We've got tons of uh, data up there for you. We've got our friends at 643 Charts releasing our win probability models on the site. Uh, for our subscribers, win probability, what does that mean? We'll have something on, um, we'll have a post up for you explaining exactly how we calculate win probability, but just basically the likelihood uh, when two teams start a game, uh, who's going to win that pro that game. And it goes up and down based on various plays throughout the game, but really cool stuff for subscribers. So if you're not a subscriber, uh, I encourage you to become a D1 softball subscriber because just that in itself is so cool. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. I'm just, it's tremendous. The stuff they pump out, it's just so helpful. Um, stuff I wish I had, you know, back a few years, you know, when I was playing and then when I was starting my, you know, journalism career, I could have really used it. And now it's just, it's, it's amazing the stuff they do. All right. Well, that's it for the D1 softball podcast. Tara Henry for Rhiannon Podkey. Thank you all for joining us and we'll see you all next week.